You're listening to a sermon from Plus Life, a church that exists to see lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will be stirred in your heart and renewed in your mind as you hear the preaching of God's word today. Our whole lives, I'm sure, uh, you have all been told at some point in your life to try harder, try harder, work hard. If you don't work hard, you won't succeed. I grew up in a uh, Chinese family. My parents are from Hong Kong, and they, my, my dad's a pastor, but my mom always drilled into my head, you know, you got to work hard, Josiah, work hard so that you don't end up on the street. And I'm translating that directly from Cantonese. So her literal words, work hard so that you don't end up on the street, that you don't end up becoming homeless. And we hear this all the time in our culture today, of course, right? Try hard, try hard and you will succeed. Try harder and you will find peace. Try harder and you will find stability. Try harder and you will find wealth. You know, try harder and you will find the solution to all your problems by yourself and for yourself. Try harder, work harder, and you will find the means to provide for what you need. And we even praise people in our culture who do this, right? We, we say, you know, oh, we respect the grind. Oh, you're working 14 hours a day? I respect the grind. We hear all these stories of everyone pouring in every single bit of their life and every single bit of their effort into making sure that they can achieve their goals or into making sure that they can overcome uh, their work stress or attain higher status, everything. We are told to work hard, and we are in a culture, and we're in a world that praises that to the point of um, just ruining our lives. We love these stories, right, of dust to ashes, right, from people coming up from nothing, right, and working so hard, and now they have, you know, successful businesses or a successful home, whatever uh, we value. And this is not to say that working hard and trying hard is wrong, but there's a fallacy to it that we're going to explore in today's words about how we can live for God that we really need to address as Christians. And it's not just work for money, right? It's, it's work for our status, trying hard to work for our status, trying hard to work for our survival. Everything is self-reliance as we you know, preach in our culture, in this, this Western world, right? Uh, live for yourself, work for yourself, make sure you're doing good for yourself so that you can get all the wealth that you have for yourself or just share it with your friends and family, but definitely don't share it with your enemies, right? So that's the idea that we're always tempted to dive into. This is the work culture that we have developed over a very long period of time that has reinforced these things, and it has affected also our understanding of spirituality in a lot of ways working hard, try hard, it's all on you, it's all on you or it's nothing. This is a horrible way to live if you ask me, and this is definitely not what the Bible preaches. I want to share with you um, a, a kind of a funny analogy. So there's this YouTube channel called Bro Science Life. It's a, it's a channel that just makes fun of gym culture, basically. And the main character, or this guy, his name is Dom, and he plays this uh, gym buff guy and just makes fun of all these typical gym culture things. And he said this one quote that I thought was really interesting. He said, the day you start lifting is the day you become forever small because you'll never be big enough in your eyes. I'll repeat that. The day you start lifting is the day you become forever small because you will never be big enough in your eyes. In other words, there are always, you can try as hard as you want. I can try as hard as I want. We can pour our life and soul, and blood, sweat, and tears, everything into something. And we can try as hard as we want, 
but there's always going to be dissatisfactions that end up biting us back in the behind, and we always want to work even harder to make it correct. There's always going to be more people to compare ourselves to. There's always going to be new heights in the world that we will try to find satisfaction in. There's always going to be that next promotion. There's always going to be that next ace in our exams. There's always going to be something. There's always going to be something in our character that we want to work on. There's always something, right? So it doesn't matter how much you lift, so to speak. There's always something. But trying harder that I want, trying harder is something that I want to share with you guys today. It's something that we do as humans without God naturally, just to try and solve all the problems around us, or also to find our identity in. Have you ever talked to people, or maybe you've done this yourself, and I've been guilty of this. I'm saying, oh, you worked only 10 hours this week, or 40 hours this week? I worked 65. Well, uh, you know, we, we, we compare and, and, and contrast all these things all, this, all the time, and we think about how it gives us worth as a person. But this is, again, not what the Bible says, and this is definitely not how we should view um, all this effort as a Christian. Make no mistake, all right, the Bible does call us to persevere, to run the race of faith, to make a very strong effort in our diligence, in our discipline, in our dedication, in our pursuit of holiness, basically our pursuit of God, right? There's, there's hard work in Christianity. There's no doubt about that. I'm not trying to say that hard work is wrong, but we need to understand it in the right light. And when we think about um, how we can please God, we have to be very clear on what we say and what we do because the problem is when we read all the wonderful commands in the Bible and the imperatives of holiness that we have to follow, how we have to be pure, how we have to be holy like how God is holy, how we have to abstain from all these temptations that you can just find as you read through the New Testament and the Old Testament and a bunch of other commands in the Bible and you think about, wow, I have to do all of these by myself? Well, it looks like I have to get back and start working really hard so that I can please God. That is not the way that God calls us to live for him. That is not how we take what's in the culture and apply it to our faith. And there is tremendous hope beyond that. So I'll say that again. There's a lot of commands in the Bible, but God is not calling us to do them. God is not calling us to become more holy and pure by ourselves and through our own effort. That is never the case. We have a God that came down and died on the cross and rose again to give us freedom, not only from sin and death, which are very important, but also freedom from thinking that we have to do everything on our own, growing in our own holiness. It's impossible to save ourselves, and it's also impossible to grow further and further as Christians without him. We can so easily forget that at the center of it all, God has called us to do everything with him, to be united with him, to be abiding in him. Jesus even says in John chapter 15, which you guys will get to at some point because I know Pastor Ian is going through the gospel of John with you. And when you get to John chapter 15, I just want you to take it all in because I love the verse in John chapter 15 where he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. I love it because it's a very clear, direct um, exposure that Jesus is giving us about how we need to abide in him. He is our source of everything. He is our source of holiness, righteousness. He is our source of strength. He is our source of growing as a Christian, not ourselves. We're dying to ourselves. We're dying to our self-reliance. We're dying to the culture around us that says, you have to work to earn everything. You don't do that in the faith of Jesus Christ, right? We live united and abiding in Jesus 
so that we can discover more of his power, so that we can continue to glorify God above all through our abiding in him. So we must never forget the fundamental life-altering truth that God is the one who works in us. God is the one who works in us to grow and to live as Christians, not us. It is God who works in us to grow and to live as Christians. We don't do it by ourselves, and we can't think that way, or else we'll burn out. What does it mean for us when I say that God works in us to grow and to live as Christians? It means that we don't relentlessly have to try by ourselves to do what God has called us to do, to preach the gospel among all the nations, to remain pure, to grow as his children, to uh, get rid of the sins or overcome the sins in our life. We don't do those by ourselves. We can't. And if we think we can, then we need to readjust because we're going to discover very soon that we can't do it. And then we become scared, we become frustrated, we become guilty, and then the devil comes and then shame fills us and then we forget about the truths of the gospel. This is why it's so important for us to realize that God is the one who works in us. Yes, we participate with God. Yes, we need to have strong obedience. Yes, we do work hard, but we do it with God. And I want to remind you guys of this this evening because some of you probably know this already, but we need to hear it again and again because we're so tempted all the time to think, okay, yes, God wants this for me. I need to abstain from this. I need to refrain from that. Oh, I was mad at someone today and I shouted at them. I shouldn't have done that. Okay, time to go back to the drawing board. What should I? No, God calls us to come to him, abide in him, receive forgiveness from him, to surrender to his spirit so that we can continue to walk every single step by him and in him. God gifts us with salvation. God gifts us with justification. God gives us eternal life, but he also gives us his spirit and unites us with him through Jesus Christ to live a life of transformation. Not through us, but through him and in him and in him and hello. So many people, they're walking around every single day thinking that God needs to be pleased with our efforts and our sheer obedience and the results of our obedience. So many people, so many of us have been plagued with thinking that God's happiness and God's blessing is only earned when we earn it. This is wrong. Sometimes even we as Christians often make a mistake that Christianity is just another try harder, be better, hold yourself up. Um, You know, God only helps those who help themselves. (laughs) It's kind of religion, but that's not true. It's not a biblical understanding of the faith and how we live as a child of God. Growing and living as a Christian is a process called sanctification, right? This is where we become more like Jesus. Not pretend, but become more like Jesus in all of his wonderful and beautiful qualities, in all of his humbleness, in all of his um, desire to glorify God. Sanctification, that's, that's, this is the process where we become more like Jesus in character and holiness and displaying genuinely his goodness and his righteousness. And this is fully perfected when Jesus returns. But this growth, this transformation, sanctification, it only works because it is God working within us along with our participation with him. You'll know, I mean, we talk a lot about justification and uh, uh, salvation by faith alone and not by works, right? That's good. That's a wonderful thing. One of the wonderful fruits of the Reformed uh, theology is, is, is the, the justification by faith alone and by, by Jesus, right? But one of the other components of that is understanding that when you're justified, you're also gifted with something else. Sanctification. 
God's gift to you is not only saving you, it's not only declaring you righteous because of Jesus' righteousness on you when you repent and believe. It's also the gift of Him working in you. And then in Philippians 1, 6, it says that God who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Christ. We need to trust God that He not only saves us, but that He is also working within us. We fail so many times. I failed so many times. And all every single time, I'm brought back to grace because of justification and the grace of Jesus Christ, but I need to trust God again and remember he's still working in me. No matter how ruined I am, no matter how desperate I am to overcome a temptation or uh, overcome something that I know is wrong, I need to trust God that he has also gifted me. He's gifted you, a believer in Jesus Christ, with sanctification. It's not something we earn. It's not something we do by ourselves. It's another piece of God's grace, undeserved merited kindness and favor. God growing within you, sorry, God growing you and working within you, it's a gift. It's mercy. It's his love. It's another extension of his great and loving kindness and goodness towards us. How could we do all these things on our own? How can we love our enemies on our own? How can we overcome temptation on our own? How can we grow as a Christian on our own? How can we be charitable on our own? How can we do it consistently and then for the rest of our lives on our own? And do it for the glory of God and not for our own self-righteousness. The only answer to that is sanctification in Jesus and realizing that it is a gift to us from God. It is a gift to us from God. Jesus didn't die so that we could live independently from him. Think about that. Jesus didn't die on the cross uh, uh, through the power of God, rise again from the dead, and then when we repent and believe in him, he didn't call us to live apart from him. When we become Christians, we are literally declaring that our life is united with him, not separated from him, not a boss to a worker relationship. He is literally declaring us united with him, and he is calling us to abide in him, and he is telling us that we are being sanctified in him, and we need to realize that, and we need to drop and release all of our self-reliance, all of our self-autonomy, and realize that even in the process of living for God, it is empowered by God, and it's all the mercy of God. And when we discover God working more and more in our life, we can love God even more and love others. That's the goal. So what does a life in Christ look like? Well, we look to Jesus because Jesus is the one who saves us and shows us how to live. In verse 5 to 11, let's repeat that. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Jesus saves us. Jesus is the one who shows us how to live. A little bit of context here, right? We're reading from the book of Philippians. Paul is writing to the Philippian church in jail. He's not having a good time. 
He's not having a good time. But he is reminding the Philippian church of the joy of living for Christ. You know, to live is Christ. You know, all these quotable verses from the wonderful book of the Philipp- uh, the wonderful book of Philippians. So Paul is reminding the Philippian church of the joy of living for Christ despite whatever situation. He tells them to remain united together and to continue to love each other as Christ did. You know, to count others more significant from themselves and refraining from selfish ambition and con- and and conceit. This is uh, chapter two verse one to four. So Paul is giving them some commands. You know, keep staying together. The joy of Christ and also uh, count others more significant than yourselves. And then Paul goes into verse five to 11 and says that Jesus really is the perfect example of this, how we can treat others more important than ourselves. So Paul gives us the instructions, and then Paul says this is how Jesus did it, by humbling himself, um, not declaring equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptying himself, coming down on earth in the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So Jesus is the one that shows us what ultimate humility is, and this is what we strive for. And are we going to strive for it ourselves? Not at all. We do it with God, but we do it with Jesus through the power of the Spirit. But we need to know what God is asking of us. Jesus we see Paul describing Jesus' own humbleness, which we are always to keep in mind and to emulate. That's why he says, have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Jesus' own humbleness, Jesus' own sacrifice, Jesus' own um, uh, love for you, of course, but also for the glory of God. Paul sets, uh, takes the time to explain the great sacrifice that Jesus did by dying on the cross for us giving up his divine rights, and that there is no greater example for all Christians um, than Jesus Christ to, sh- to live a life of servanthood. Love is given in humble service. Love given in genuine humble service is one of the prime directives of our Christian life. It is one of the things that requires a lot of effort. It's one of the things that will challenge us every day. When we love our wives or our husbands, our spouses, I guess, our children, our friends, our enemies, the people who we disagree with, how can we be humble to them? How can we serve them? How can we be a blessing to them? How can we be the light of the gospel to them? How can the Spirit work through us? Because we're relying on Jesus, not ourselves, right, to be what Jesus was to us. How can we do all these things by ourselves? And again, trick question, right? We can't. We're doing it with God. It is God who works in us. And now we know that because Jesus died and rose again, he is lifted high. And all who call on Jesus as Lord, they are saved. They are reconciled to God. And declaring that Jesus is Lord means turning away from sin and following him and believing that uh, what he has done is true and that he is risen from the dead. And we are justified because of what Jesus has done for, them, done for us. This is the good news of the gospel. God holds nothing against us in Jesus Christ. We are free from sin and we are filled with him. We are united with him and we can run the race not by ourselves but with him. Paul gives the example, right? Love one another, be united, uh, count others more significant than yourselves, do it like how Jesus did it, but don't do it by yourself. Do it with God. We are called to love and to live and to work and to glorify God like how Jesus did, to be in humble service to others like how Jesus was, again, for the glory of God. And we will find that this is extremely, extremely difficult. But we do it anyway because it is a command. And we do it because the joy of the Lord is our strength. We do it because we want to glorify God. We do it because we know that 
in everything, what Jesus has done for us is something we can't keep for ourselves. We need to share it with as many people as possible. But how do we do it without burning out? How do we do it consistently? How can we do it without ever relying on ourselves? We need to, and we need to remember and remember and always take hold and cherish the fact that, again, going back to the main point, God is at work within us. God is the one who works within us so that we can live for him. So, verse 5 to 11. Paul's just finished explaining Jesus' example for us to follow. And then he says in verse 12 to 13, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. We do the commands of God. We live like Jesus. We focus on, uh, on living like Jesus because of God's inward work within us. Our actions that reflect the love and the life of Jesus genuinely are examples of a changed heart, not a pretending heart, not a heart that is trying hard, not a heart that is fully self-autonomous and away from God, but a heart that is surrendered to God, a heart that is alive in God, a heart that is united with Jesus. Our genuine actions as Christians don't come from us. They come from a life united with our Savior. We need to glorify God for that. God is truly glorified, right? When we're doing all these things that we're supposed to do with him. Even if other people don't recognize it, that's fine. You're not doing it for them. You're doing it for God, right? And God knows when we're with him. God knows when we're surrendered to him. God knows when our hearts are for him because it also takes a lot of intentionality on our part to remember and to rely on Jesus. Paul outlines two seemingly opposing themes in verse 12 and 13. On the one hand, in verse 12, even though we know that God works in us, and that's in verse 13, there is a responsibility for us to fully commit to living the way that God has called us to. This is the hard part, because we know that it requires actual effort on our part. Just because God works in us doesn't mean that we just sit back, relax, and enjoy God's sanctification. That's not how it works. Sanctification requires our partnership with God, our working together with God, or God working with us and us being convinced of everything that he's doing, being genuinely moved by the Spirit, by the Word, by fellowship, and doing stuff together and with him. Verse 12, our responsibility is to commit to obedience in Christ. Paul is telling us to work out our salvation, not to work for our salvation, because salvation is already earned for us through Jesus Christ but to work out our salvation. What does it mean? It means that we obey and see the life that you have been given. See the salvation that God has given you, has gifted you with, unfold. When you work out your salvation, you are committing to Christ. You are abiding in Christ, and you are seeing God work out through you, uh, through your obedience, how you are transforming to be more like Jesus. You see the distinction. We're not working to earn, but we are living and working, so to speak, to see what God is cultivating in us, to see what God is doing in us, to see how our desires, even if they change a very, very tiny bit, how they are still changing and how they're changing for the better. And the better means that it's for God. So Paul is calling us to work out, not work for, but work out our salvation. Obey, commit to Christ. And see how he's working in you to even do that in the first place. This is one of the wonderful mysteries, but also the realities of God. That he's somehow able to help us to um, genuinely work for him. 
that he's somehow able to somehow convince the depths and deepest parts of our rock-hard hearts to do the right thing in his name, to forego our selfishness. If we don't have that hope in God, we're going to be trying to find that hope in ourselves, which doesn't work, right? Or other people, or other false philosophies, other religions, other practices, whatever you want to put in that bracket. God is calling us to commit to him. Paul is reminding us that the work for salvation has already been done, so work it out. See it unfold. We're not just saved so that we can sit on the couch and do nothing. We're saved so that we can live a life of salvation. Work it out. See it. See God growing your heart so that you desire him more. Desiring him more and being kind to your neighbors, loving them, loving your family as much as it takes to do that, your enemies, everything. That is working out our salvation, seeing God working through us and within us. Paul says, so to, Paul says to do so with fear and trembling mean that we need to do it with a respect and a reverence that comes with living for the Almighty God. So we understand that. Okay, I know that as a Christian I'm supposed to commit my whole life to Jesus. Of course, of course. It's a very, very extreme thing that God did for me, and I know that my life can be given to him genuinely in service to him because I love him and because he loved me and because I want to glorify him. We know that. That's very, very good. So most of us get stuck in this part, right? Verse 12. Okay, Paul, I hear you. Um, obey. Uh, work out my salvation with fear and trembling. Gotcha. I'm going to commit to Christ. Even if no one's looking, I'm still going to, you know, I'm going to work hard to, to live that Christian life. But then I love how Paul adds verse 13 right after verse 12 because he says, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. He just finished giving us commands in chapter 2 about um, counting others more uh, significant than one another, um, uh, uh, having the same mind, having the same love, being of the same accord as a church, you know, doing all these difficult things, and then uh, being like Jesus, who is the perfect example of humbleness. And then he tells us to commit to Christ, and now he's saying, but wait. That's all possible because it is God who works in you. Imagine if in verse 13 he says, for it is you who works in you to will and to work for God's good pleasure. You would be thinking, okay, okay, that's hard, but I guess I can try. And then Christianity wouldn't exist because we wouldn't be here by our own strength. It is God who works in you. It is God who worked in Paul. It is God who worked in all of the apostles. It is God who worked in all of the... Whoever, what, whoever Christian you really respect, it's God who works within them. It's God who works within you, within me. It's God who works within us, both to will and to work for his good pleasure, not us. As soon as we can die to ourselves and remember, oh yeah, I'm living my life abiding in Jesus. I'm going to be humble and, and do all the things that Jesus calls me to do and be like Jesus, not on my own effort, but on him and through the power of his spirit. We need to realize that, and then we can really show the world that we're not burnt out, that we're not just people walking around joylessly, without thanksgiving, without love for neighbor, because we're too tired focusing on doing things that we need to do. With God is all the power that we could ever need or want, and it's God who glorifies and works in, who is, who is glorified and works in us. So verse 13, 
I think it's a wonderful verse. It's a gift. It's grace. Sanctification is given to us. When we become Christians, we're cleaned and set free from sin. And what else do we get? We get the fruit of living for God because God is working within us. And we're continuously learning to surrender to Him more and more. And we remember and we realize the more that we surrender to Him, the greater joy that we have in realizing, oh, wow, doing all the commands that God has called us to do is wonderful. It's not burdensome. There's a reason why Jesus says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. God works in you. He sanctifies you. Not me sanctifying you, speaking these words. It's God. Not Pastor Ian sanctifying you by preaching. It's God. Not when you gather in your life groups working together, um, although that's good, right? It's not us doing anything. It's God working within us, producing within us fruit, real fruit that we can enjoy, that we can enjoy Everything about sanctification is God-driven, God-empowered. And everything about this process, on the flip side, also requires all of our willingness as well in our participation. And somehow God has made such a beautiful thing where it works together so that we grow in Him and all the glory belongs to God. So, plus life. Don't try hard by yourself. Don't try hard and grind and get that money by yourself. Don't try hard and work on your behaviors. And I'm not trying to preach a prosperity gospel, by the way. But no, don't try hard and work for yourself and for your office or for your family. No, no, no. Live and abide in Jesus Christ who works within you for his good pleasure. We're going to be very sad and very angry and very confused at God if we don't accept by grace what he is doing to us through sanctification. If we try to do anything in the Bible or even whatever um, without God, we will, we will get very guilty very quick because we realize that we can't do it. We will be very close-minded if we think that is only this way. I have to earn my way to the status of being a mature Christian. That is not how it works. We become really angry and unfair and irritable if we think that we have to do everything on our own. And when other people come to you and talk to you about your faith and they're not a Christian and they say, oh, wow, man, that sounds impossible. You have the opportunity to tell them, oh, it's not me that does any of it. it well, well, it's God who works in me. I am a living testament to the glory of God. I'm a living testament of transformation of God's resurrection power in me. I am evidence and life that, that God has, has presented so that you can know that life is lived not by ourselves, but in full unity with Jesus. See, this is not only just something that we can use for our personal life. It is something so that everybody can see the difference. The difference in a spirit-empowered, Jesus-abiding, not relying on ourselves and trying hard and trying to earn anything, gospel-centered, biblical, loving God, everything-centered worldview in Jesus Christ alone. It is a power that we can share with everyone. So, if we only see God as someone who needs to be pleased in this black and white lens, our relationship with him will be very stressful. It will be very miserable. And you will find that holiness that you're trying to seek by yourself uh, won't work. You can't actually grow to that. So the solution to everything is grace. It's always been God's grace. God's grace to you in sanctification. Uh, sorry, God's grace to you in justification and, and dying for you and paying the penalty for you and raising you up to new life. And also God's grace to you and to me by sanctifying us. 
doing that work within us and also convincing us that his way is the true way and then us participating more and more willingly. It won't be a tragic relationship that we have with God if we really accept those two things, right? Jesus' justification for us, but also his work within us that he started and that he's not going to give up on and that he's going to bring to completion. So one of the things that the devil will do, one of the things that your own mind will do is try and try and try and try to make you try and try and try and try, to make you work harder and harder and harder, to make you think that we always need to earn something. But the penalty has already been paid. Your full worth is in Jesus Christ. And Jesus is in you through faith, abiding. And as you abide in him, we will discover this transformation. We need to get it out of our heads. We need to get it out of our hearts that God will not be pleased with us or happy with us unless we attain the standard by ourselves. We need to get in our hearts and our minds and be truly convinced that it is God who works in us so that we can follow him, so that we can praise him, so that we can live for him. Uh, my wife right now is um, in Ottawa, and uh, she's, um, she's uh, uh, visiting her sister because it's her birthday. And I said, yeah, no, you should definitely go. It's, it's a good landmark birthday for her littlest sister. And so she's over there. So that means last night my dog and I got to watch the Raptors game. And I got to see the Raptors pummel the, the, the disgusting Boston Celtics and blowing them away and 25 points from our number four draft pick, rookie Scotty Barnes. And I was like, wow, my soul is healing from this idolatrous desire that I have for basketball. Anyway, I had a good evening. But I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you guys. Um, I struggled with pornography in my life. And when I was alone and a situation like that presented itself, I would go to pornography. If I was alone and there was no one else around and I knew that no one was coming around, I would go to pornography. A horrible thing. Something that brings me great shame. Something that I know that only God's grace can save me from. And he did. And when I was young, I would really struggle with that. And I would cry out to God. Like literally cry out to God and say, God, why am I like this? Why can't I just choose you? I can't follow your commands. I can't. I can't resist this temptation. I can't, I can't. Me, 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 me. I was thinking about how I could somehow work my way out of this temptation. And so that God would finally be happy with me. Now, over the course of the, of, 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 uh, the last few years, I'm very young, so over the course of the last few years, God has really pounded into my heart the truths of the gospel. First, that I am justified, that he washes me clean. And that I am alive in Jesus Christ. And that I am dead to sin. That you are all dead to sin. That the power of sin is dead to you when you believe in Jesus. And that it's not me that needs to work hard because I can't do it. I've tried it so many times, I've failed. But it's God working within me. It is God who's brought me on this journey and who, through uh, people like Pastor Ian, my other friends, um, through studying the scripture, through praying, keep relying on God, it is God who helped me to do all that so that I got to the stage now in my life where I can not worry about being alone and then succumbing to that temptation. Because it is the power of God in me that did that. Not me. It's the power of God. And we need to really believe that. And it's a, it's a, it's a tough journey. It's rough. But everything goes back to Jesus. It was Jesus' power working within me. Through, even though, I mean, it's not good. Even though I struggled with that sin, it taught me about the grace of God. Even though I struggled with that sin, it taught me that I needed to rely on Jesus. 
It actually made me cling closer to God. And I know that that is the Spirit of God working within me. That is God's work through my story. So far, I mean, there's probably plenty more to go. But regardless of that, I wanted to share that with you all because last night I didn't feel the urge to do it. And I knew, and I was praying about it the week before because I knew that my wife was going to be away. I knew I was going to be alone. Um, I knew that there was an opportunity for the devil to maybe like snatch me down or my flesh to overtake me. But then I realized, no, I'm alive in Jesus. It is God who works in with me to work and to will for his good pleasure. And he certainly did. So all glory be to Christ, our King, our Savior, and the one who brought us from death, who brought us from sin so that we are free to live for him and be empowered to do everything for him. Let us pray. Father, you are so, so gracious to us that even though you saved us, you don't call us to live our life apart from you. You called us to live with you in you, through you, everything. Lord, I pray for all of us here who are always tempted to think that we need to do everything by ourselves. Lord, help us just to die to that. Father, I pray that you would convict us by your word to remember that we can commit to you, of course, but also, Lord, it is you who works within us to work and to will for your good pleasure. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would continue to give us hope that you are working within us, that you are sanctifying us, that you are drawing us closer to you, that you are convincing us more and more that you are the true, the true way. Father, I pray that your spirit would fill us so that we would have power to defeat the temptations in our life, to overcome the behaviors that we know that we need to change from. Father, I pray that as we submit to you this evening, God, that we will experience your power anew and freshness for the coming weeks so that we may know that it is all you. It all belongs to you. All the glory, all the, all the credit, it all goes to you. So Lord, help us to die to ourselves. Help us to live in the light of your life. Lord, I pray for all of us who need to know that it is grace, that sanctification is, uh, is you working within us so that we can stop relying on ourselves and just enjoy more of the union that we have with you and the joy that we have in you. Father, we thank you for your love and your mercy. We thank you so much for your compassion for us for your power at work within us. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. We hope that you were blessed by the sermon today. If you would like to learn about the gospel or know more about our church, please visit pluslifepeople.com. Remember to subscribe for more content. Until next time, stay blessed.